I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. All about long runs. We all know that the long run is the bread and butter for building endurance, but sometimes it can leave us a little bit confused. A good friend of mine, Matt, does his long runs at seven minute pace and he'll go for 16 miles and he calls that an easy long run. But a lot of people I follow on Instagram will run six miles at 12-minute pace, and they will call that an easy long run. How can two runs that look so different be called the exact same thing, an easy long run? We are going to do a deep dive into this topic to uncover exactly how far and how fast you should be running on these easy long runs. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs, and he has been coaching for over a decade. He started coaching at the middle school and high school level and moved into the college level eventually. He's also now spent a lot of time coaching roadrunners in the marathon and half marathon distances as adult athletes. He has worked with anywhere from middle school all the way to um, 70-year-old athletes. So it just really is great to have that diverse experience here because he has trained athletes for the one-mile event all the way up to ultramarathons. And the long-run distance does really vary a lot um, with the different distances, right? So a marathon trainer might call 20 miles a long run where a one-mile um, track athlete at the college level might call, you know, an eight mile long run their long run. Um, and we're going to chat a little bit about the di- differences there and why that is. Um, I am a coach here at Run for PRs. I've been coaching since 2013. I have ran 19 marathons, qualified for Boston 13 times. And this is kind of the biggest thing that goes along with those long distance endurance events, right? Everyone wants to know about the long run. They think it is um, the secret to unlocking their potential, but there are so many other runs during the week that we should kind of chat about before we dive into the long run, right? Um, So when you're in a marathon training cycle, what can someone expect? Um, Just give an example week. What should someone be expecting in any sort of training cycle besides the long run? Yeah, so a good training block is going to include, you know, your your variety of workouts that are, are going to target your lactic threshold zone and sometimes even faster than that, you know, looking at speed endurance intervals um, or strides, you know, at 95% max effort. 
Um, and so depending on if you're training for a 5k versus, you know, the marathon, it's going to look a lot different. Um, and the volume might look different too. So, you know, take a 5k workout, for example, you might just be hammering a bunch of 400s or 200s, um, to work on that speed endurance. Whereas your, um, half marathon, marathon style workouts, um, they might be, they might be a higher volume at a slower pace, or they may incorporate, um, a little bit of varying paces. And so, um, you know, kind of getting back to the long run, it's really going to depend on, you know, what it is that that athlete is going to be training for, um, what, what events are going to be racing in the near future. But traditionally, you know, a person's long run is considered their longest run for that week. And, um, when I think most experts think of the long run, it's a 60 to 90 minute kind of time frame. Once you get up into that hour range that starts to become, you know, considered long. And so, um, you know, and then obviously for a marathon, we're going to go over 90 minutes. And the, the, the debate is really like, how frequently do we do that? And so that's really going to depend too on so many other variables, um, as well as your, your history. Um, because we definitely don't need to be doing long runs between 90 minutes, you know, up to three hours every single week, right? They might be sprinkled in occasionally through your training plan. So, um, those are some of the things I think we're going to talk about today. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people, you know, we've talked on the podcast before about easy runs. And I think people understand like the concept of an easy weekday run, you know, where you're only going 45 to 60 minutes and it's just kind of those mileage during the week to, to get you going and to recover in between those hard workouts. And a lot of people kind of understand the concept of a workout um, and that, you know, maybe they're during the week, maybe you're headed to the track, you do a little tempo run, you do a little speed workout, right? People kind of understand the concept there. We've, we've talked about this a million times on podcasts, but when we're talking about this long run, I find that the long run can be confusing because it can, it's a little bit of a chameleon, right? So it is an easy run, right? Like a lot of the times we're going to be running at an easy pace, but it also is a workout in itself, right? So it just depends on how you're doing the long run, right? So if, for example, you are in an off season and, you know, your long run might be eight miles and that might not be in that case because eight miles during your, your heavy training season wasn't a big deal, that might not be a super stressful run. But if you're in a marathon training cycle and you're building and, you know, you're doing those 15, 17, those two, three hour long runs, um, those are really stressful events on the body, especially if it's not in your normal range to be doing that. So we would actually almost consider that like a workout day, right? So for athletes who are training for a marathon and they're going above and beyond what they typically are doing within their year, like let's say they start reaching for those two, three hour long runs, um, those are actually workout days, even though you are going at an easy pace. And then there's another component that gets thrown in there. And I think this is where people start to get really, really confused. If you are more of an elite, sub-elite um, athlete, some of your long runs may have workout components in them. So if you know running 12 miles is no big deal for you, and that's something that you're doing on the regular, and you've been running for years and years and years, but you're gearing up for um, like a 10K or a half marathon, your coach might actually prescribe within your 12-mile long run some pace work that's at you know threshold pace or maybe marathon pace. And I think that's where things get really confusing because we might see someone who is faster than us, or maybe they've been running for longer than us, and they're turning their long run into a workout. And that can be um, scary for people because 
I think in general, most people do not want to run their long run at a slow pace because they're already a little bit apprehensive of how they're going to do that on race day if they've never practiced that way. But also when you see other people doing these longer runs and adding in pace work, you start wondering and looking at yourself like, hey, is this something I should be doing? I'm confused. So can we talk a little bit about when you know it's time to add some pace work into your long runs and why do some people do that? Yeah, um, I definitely think, you know, once you've been consistently doing long runs, let's say it's over an hour, um, we can start to, you know, incorporate just like you said, some marathon pace work, I think would be the the starter, Um, you know, where you might do a mile here and there. Um, You might also have the long run be a slight progression at the end and you can kind of see how the athlete responds to that. Like, are they able to finish, you know, with their last mile being their fastest? And that kind of shows that they, you know, appropriately pace themselves and, um, the, you know, they had enough energy to, to pick it up at the end. Um, so I think by starting to, you know, slowly sprinkle in workouts, you'd start with like strides and maybe slight progression. And then you could do like a mile or two of like a, a mile tempo, which would be like a marathon paced effort. And then you could slowly build up from there and maybe start to incorporate, um, threshold. And, and like you said, with some of those more like advanced level marathoners, they're going to be doing, um, you know, upwards of maybe, let's say they're doing like a 15 mile long run, they could have half of that mileage be at a faster pace than their easy pace. And that's really why the overall pace for their run looks so significantly fast, just because, you know, they did a structured workout uh, that was maybe a minute to two minutes faster, um, at least a minute, minute and a half faster um, per mile than their average, you know, easy pace would be. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where it can start to get really confusing is when some of these long runs turn into workouts. And this is all about, you know, the comparison trap and all of those different things. And even if you are someone who by nature, maybe you're just a little bit faster and you see other people who run about your pace doing all of these long run workouts. The idea is that Turning your long runs into workouts is almost like a last resort, right? So you really want to capitalize um, doing the progressive overload principle first. You don't want to just be like, oh, you know, time to just turn my long run into workout. If you are seeing improvements, if you are gaining endurance, if, you know, your long run is enough for you already as it is, This is just going to vary from person to person. That's why it's good to work with a coach. But if that's already enough for you and you're seeing results, there is absolutely no need to turn your long run into this super hard workout where you have all these pace work um, sort of situation. The reason that some people and some athletes will turn their long run into this workout is because their body has adapted over the course of decades of training that to them, maybe going out and running for 90 minutes at an easy pace just doesn't evoke any sort of change whatsoever. And I mean, that is going to be, you're going to be running for probably at least five years before you even need to think about, oh, I'm going to turn this long run into a workout, right? It's a very high level Um, of training. And oftentimes what I see happen is people want to just start doing that from the get-go or they want to start like two years in, three years in, and then they end up getting injured or they're doing the wrong types of workouts. They're hyper-focusing on the long run. And that's where people can really get into trouble because running long in and of itself is a hard effort, right? So if you think about during the week, most of your runs are probably between, you know, 45 to maybe, you know, 75 minutes. 
And that's what your body is used to doing. It's used to about that hour maybe or less of running every single day. Then when you go on the weekend, you're typically asking your body to do what? Probably double that, right? So you're doing like 90 minutes and that's double what you do in a regular day. So you have to understand that you're already asking your body to do double what you normally do in a day. And if you're not someone who has been running for years and years and years on the end, that in and of itself is enough to evoke change and to make you build endurance and to get faster and all of those good things. But once you start kind of seeing that, hey, you know, I'm not sore at all after this, um, I could do a lot more sort of situation, then yeah, maybe we can um, change things up. But I also think a lot of times athletes have a skewed reference point. So you might finish a long run and feel like, yeah, uh, I, I feel like I did nothing. But it's like, we have to see other factors within your training that say, did your body feel like you did nothing, right? Like, are you still able to execute on workout days? Mm-hmm. Are you, is your heart rate, you know, your resting heart rate doing well? Are your easy runs um, still with the low heart rate? How is your body actually responding to the training? Because sometimes athletes that we coach or even myself included, you kind of get um, caught up in that whole, you know, adrenaline rush. You're like, yeah, it felt so good and all that stuff. And that's not reality. That's, you know, your body in like fight or flight mode. So we really need to have some other um, metrics to go along with that. So, you know, resting heart rate, checking what your paces are on workout days. Um, also looking like, is this something that you're also executing on the road? Cause I know some people can, you know, they can hit all these paces on a treadmill, but if you're not really doing that on hills, on the road, that sort of thing, there's just a lot of factors that go into training. Um, so it's just really important to remember that it's unique to the individual. And so when we're talking about these topics, just knowing that it's going to vary from person to person so much. And just like we were talking that the long run is pretty much defined as anything over 60 minutes, we want to cap it at you know three hours. So we're really, this whole podcast is dedicated to talking about those runs where you're out there between 60 minutes and three hours. Um, so Jason, tell me a little bit about what's special about that 90 minute threshold and what we need to really think about when we're doing long runs that go over 90 minutes in duration. Yeah. Once an athlete hits about 90 minutes, you know, you're, you're definitely using up your glycogen storages. So we need to start thinking about fueling, um, you know, probably every 30 minutes or so 30 to 45 minutes. And if you're training, like you're doing one of your longer runs for a marathon, it's going to be, you know, between 90 minutes and maybe two and a half hours, um, or up to three hours, like you said, then you're definitely going to need to be feeling multiple times, right? It's not just one time. You should be starting your feeling probably around an hour. Um, uh, for sure, by 90 minutes, you want to take something in, and then you want to be taking it every 30 to 45 minutes. And, um, you know, really why we don't want to, you know, we don't want to go over those three hours is just because when we look at um, the damage it's done to our muscles, it takes us so much longer to recover. And so we're not really able to... Um, you know, get the same benefits as far as like continuing to recover and then bounce back for workouts the next week. Um, and so, uh, by shortening the long run to like a 16 to 18 mile range for a lot of people, that's going to put them at that three hour range. You can, you can, um, assimilate, you know, running, um, maybe by having them, you can assimilate the, the same thing as running like for, you know, 20 to 22 miles. You could pair it with like a, a longer tempo run the day before at some marathon pace work. And that's going to give them the same benefits um, and get them ready for their marathon. And so, um, you know, the the major thing that's happening when you're running f- for 90 minutes or more is that your your muscles are getting 
more work in terms of like capillary building and um, the energy that's getting to the muscles are learning how to be more efficient. And so that's really why, why we want to stay out there. Uh, but we don't want to like overdo it because, you know, it, it's going to make us make it harder to recover and to um, get back to training. Yeah. And also with that whole like glycogen storages getting tapped into, I find a lot of the times when people are training for the marathon, um, it's almost like you're always in kind of a semi glycogen depleted state. And I know um, one of the recommendations is to take one of your long runs um, once a month during a marathon training cycle and do less than 90 minutes. And that just allows your body to kind of deload, decompress um, and recover some of that that glycogen storage because no one really wants to be training. In, in such a depleted state. Um, and those cutback weeks, I know we've done Pakistan cutback weeks and deloading weeks and how those are really important um, because it's the whole stress plus rest equals growth. So, you know, you might have three weeks where you can build, 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 but then you want to have a cutback week within that block. And so it's really important to keep in mind doing one week per month where you're not going over 90 minutes because your body does need a chance to recover from the accumulation of fatigue. And that's something that's not often talked about is the accumulative effect of mileage, right? So you never want to be running, you know, the same mileage every single week or building every single week. You have to have deloading and cutback weeks, just like we recommend having, you know, a rest day. Or if you're someone who's on a run streak, maybe you have like one day per week where you only are doing like one really short, easy run. Um, So that's really important to keep in mind. And another thing, you know, we're talking in terms of time. And so there's a reason that we're doing that instead of talking about it in terms of mileage, because if you're a runner, you know, we think you're a runner regardless of if you're running a 14 minute mile or a four minute mile, right? So we're talking on a broad spectrum to everyone and 90 minutes looks a lot different for everyone, right? So if you run seven minute pace for your easy run, so if you're like a 15 minute 5Ker, you would call seven minute pace your easy pace and you would be able to cover 13 miles in 90 minutes. Um, Whereas if you're someone who runs 12 minute pace for your easy runs, maybe you run, you know, a 30 minute 5K, 31 minute 5K, you're only going to be covering seven and a half miles in 90 minutes. So the comparison there is that mileage can be so different for different athletes based on what pace you're running, but it's the exact same thing physiologically within your body. So regardless, 90 minutes is 90 minutes. And that's why we like to go more time-based for these. And really what happens is that your mileage and your long run kind of go hand in hand and they have this coupling of things, so to speak. So if you are, um, you know, running 30 miles a week at 12 minute pace, that's actually six hours of running, right? And it's also the exact same if you run 48 miles a week at eight minute pace, that's also six hours. So it really just depends on how fast you're going. But regardless, your body is still out there for the same period of time, right? Six hours of training is six hours of training. And we really want to think in terms of time for that reason, because your body um, doesn't know the difference, right? So if you're, everyone is training 80, 20, if everyone's spending 80% of their time doing easy mileage and 20% of their time doing hard workouts, 
six hours is six hours, right? Um, it's kind of like eight hours of sleep is eight hours of sleep. It's just, it's going to look a little bit different because people are running at different paces. And that's why we're not talking in terms of mileage today. Um, so I guess before we kind of dive into more of the the marathon training, um, long runs, and all of the things that everyone loves to talk about, like the 20 mile long run. I just wanted a quick touch base about, you know, how long should you be going if you are not interested in running a marathon or you're in an off season, you're doing maybe some one mile, 5k, 10k training. What is that going to look like? What's the optimal range for a long run there? Yeah. Um, great question. It's, you know, as we know, it's very, it's going to be variable based on how many days a week you're able to allocate to training um, and what those other days look like, right? So, um, you know, I've trained people who, they, you know, they want to run a marathon, they only commit to three, three days a week of running, right? And so obviously their, their weekly long run is going to be more than the 30% um, of their weekly mileage. And that was kind of the rule of thumb is that your long run should be around 30%. Um, if you have a 5k runner who runs about five days a week and, um, you know, most of their runs are under an hour, then their long run doesn't need to be much over an hour. They can go an hour, 75 minutes in that range. That's kind of why I would cap them. It really just depends on, on kind of what they've done in the past. And obviously we don't want to build them up too high too quickly. So I'm always looking at a gradual, um, progressive overload. And so, um, you know, for me, it's more important that, that when I'm looking at a training plan, um, I'm increasing the total and quality, uh, the total quality and quantity of like the tempo and the aerobic threshold workouts, um, as opposed to increasing the long runs, um, from week to week. So I'm not always going to have an increase in the long run by a mile each week. Um, so that's kind of how I'm going to structure the plan. I'm going to focus more on the workouts and then I'll kind of figure out the long run distance, make sure that it's, um, you know, around that, that 60 minute range. And sometimes it might even be less. You don't need a long run every week if you're only training for a 5k. So that's the other thing. Um, so it really boils down to what event it is you're training for and, um, kind of what your recent training history looks like. Right. And I remember, you know, when I first started running about 10 years ago, um, and then subsequently joined the, cross-country team at our little rinky-dink D3 college there in River Falls, Wisconsin. Um, I, you know, I was like the slowest person on the team, but what I learned from that experience, um, the coach, like I thought we were building long run, right? So it seems like every weekend we were doing, like the first weekend it was six and then it was seven and then we were doing like eight. But once we kind of hit that like eight, nine mile range, we kind of stopped building and I was a little annoyed because I'm like, I want to get to 10, you know? Um, and then we did kind of get up to 10, but then we cut back down and I was very confused at how random the long runs appeared to be. Because for me as an athlete, I felt that the long run was just like this random number that he was throwing out there. And I really like to see order. I like to see progression and, um, I really wanted to go even further than that. And so sometimes if you're in the middle of a 5k training cycle, it's really important to remember that you are not training for going the distance, right? You're not training for seeing how far you can run. So if you, and I think at that time I was a little confused as to what my focus was, right? Like I wanted just to be an all around better runner and I didn't understand that that meant, okay, for this season, I'm going to focus on a 5k. And once I become a really fast 5k runner, 
long runs are going to be easier. And then I could maybe do a half marathon, you know, next summer after the season's over and all that stuff. No one really explained to me how it can be building on each other. I just thought I had to do everything all at once. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of people think they need to do. They think, okay, I did a marathon training cycle. I ran, you know, my, my four hour marathon or just under four. And now I want to train for a 5k, but I don't want to lose my endurance. And people get like really panicky and they think they have to like maintain, um, okay, I want to keep doing, you know, a 16 mile long run every now and then just because I want to make sure I don't lose what I gained. And really what it is, is it's building, right? You build on each other. You're not going to lose anything you gained in a previous training cycle, right? So you can't peak forever, And I think that's the biggest thing that people need to keep in mind. You can't peak forever. You can't keep all of the great things that you've built. You can't be like at the peak of everything you've ever built at all at once. You can't have it all. You can't do a super fast 5k while simultaneously being in the best marathon shape of your life. Um, You kind of need to zoom in on certain things during certain seasons. And so with the 5k training, you do kind of have to forego those longer runs. And the reason being it's not because your body, you know, it can't run long while simultaneously doing speed work. It's because you have to save your legs for the events you are training for and be training specifically for those events. If you were to go into a 5k training cycle and you did, you know, some speed work on Monday, another uh, tempo or speed session on Thursday, and then on Saturday, you're like, oh, I really want to maintain my marathon fitness. So I'm going to go out and hammer 20 miles. Your legs will be completely shot for the upcoming week. So you wouldn't be able to do the next speed session, do the next tempo run. And so what you're really doing is you're conserving energy for the workouts that really matter. Because when you're doing a 5k specific block, it's really important to have those specific workouts for the speed for that reason. And when you are entering that week with very fatigued legs, because you ran over two hours or, you know, two and a half hours for your long run, you just aren't going to be able to hit um, the maximal potential that you would have been able to had you kind of toned it down on the weekends. And the same being said for uh, marathon training, right? So in a marathon training block, you're going to be forced to do these very, very long runs, right? You're going to be out there for two, three hours, and that is a big stress on your body. Um, And so you're not going to be able to during the week, um, do a ton. You're, you're just not going to have enough energy and time to recover for doing like all these speed workouts where you could like run a super fast mile, right? You have to look at what is going to give me the most bang for my buck. What type of workouts are going to be most important when it comes to this marathon race day? Um, and so that's why during a marathon training cycle, you just probably are not going to see a lot of speed work on the plan. You're not going to see a lot of stuff that's faster than 5k pace. And that's not because, um, it doesn't matter. That's not because like, you can't run that while simultaneously marathon training. It's because you need to do the workouts that are going to give you the best bang for your buck for the event you're training for um, and just saving the rest of it for another day because everything builds on each other, right? So if you are able to put together all of the workouts that you really need to be in the best shape for the event you're training for, that'll actually make you fitter over the long run than frantically trying to do everything all at once, right? And so that's what I typically find that people do is that they try to do everything all at once um, and then it's usually like a catastrophe and it's a lot of like this gray zone type training. You're never actually really hitting your potential. You're just kind of scratching the surface and um, not allowing enough recovery in between sessions to actually improve. 
So what about for a half marathon training block? Um, does it start to really vary? I think when we start talking about the half marathon and the marathon, I find that there is just such a wide spectrum of what sort of long runs people are doing, right? So for um, like a half marathon, what what is like the long run going to look like for different levels of athletes? Yeah. Um, so traditionally, if you're kind of new to the half marathon and you're built, you're working your way up to be able to run 13 miles, you know, your long run, your average long run is probably going to be between like seven and 10 miles each week. Um, and so I think that that's a good starting point. If, if you're already at that point, you've done a few halves, um, you're, you're kind of considered like an intermediate level runner, I would say probably about 11 to 13 miles. And that doesn't mean you have to run, you know, 11 or 12 or 13 each week. That just might be like every other week or maybe, um, you know, one or two weeks out of the month you're running those uh, longer runs and then your cutback runs might be like seven or eight miles. And so um, as far as like the advanced runners or even sub elites, how far do they go over that 13? Because, you know, some some runners, they might run like 16 or 18 miles and they're only training for a half. And we might we might see that on Instagram or whatever. And a lot of times we got to think about the time. It goes back to the time they, they spend running that distance because they're running at a much faster pace. And so they can cover 18 miles in an hour and 40 minutes, a lot of them. And um, so I would say, yeah, elites, they probably go 16, 17 all the time. Um, you know, even at the level I was at a few years back when I ran a 113, I think I, I maxed out at about 14. I did, might have did 115. And that was only because I knew I had a marathon, you know, a few months after the half. So I was, I was trying to build up that way. But um, traditionally, I'd run basically 10 to 13 miles. That would be my, my cap for long runs. And I'd, I'd throw in a cutback week probably every other week um, where I'm only hitting about eight or nine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really just going to depend on that weekly mileage again. Right. And it's just, it varies so much. You might see someone on Strava or Instagram doing like 16 to 18 miles for their, you know, long run peak for half marathon. And you're like, what I, I, should I be doing that? But it's like, you know, for these elite people who are running 16 miles at, you know, seven minute pace, six minute pace, they're doing that in under two hours, you know, um, 16 miles is like, you can cover that in two hours if you're going like 7.30 pace, right? Yeah. Um, And that's just a totally different thing. So if you're looking at that and you project your own paces onto two hours, what is two hours for you, right? So if you're on 10 minute pace, two hours is it's like 12 miles, right? (laughs) I'm trying to do math in my head here. So you really have to understand that not only do they probably have a little bit more experience than you, but also it's all about time on your feet when we're talking about that long run. So, you know, if you are going to copy someone's training, which I highly recommend no one ever do, you really need to look at the time. And so you might see someone do like a 14-mile long run before their half marathon. Um, But if they do that in 90 minutes, you have to ask yourself, how far would I cover in 90 minutes? And if that's if you're running 12 minute pace, you might only be covering seven and a half miles and that's going to be maybe your longest run. And quite honestly, yes, you can run 13.1 miles. If you don't run over, you know, seven miles in training, you can still finish the race. And I think that's a whole nother topic in and of itself. So people get kind of panicky, right? With 
the marathon, with the half marathon, they think they need to run a certain distance before the race. And whatever that may be in their mind, um, I know some people who really like to do 13.1 before a half or they want to do at least 10. Because I think people really just like round digits. So they're like, I need to do 10. Or before a marathon, they're like, I need to do 20. Um, and just one thing that's really important to remember is that these are just random rules that you are making up in your head, right? So it's just something you like to see. But there are people out there um, who do 100-mile ultra marathons. So that would be running 100 miles at a time without, like, stopping, right? So, like, the clock still runs. They're doing 100 miles at once. Um, same with a 50-mile ultra marathon, right? And so if you were to look up on the internet, what does a plan look like? How does one train to do that, right? You'd really have to start thinking about this long-run concept in a new light. You'd ask yourself, how does one get to 50 miles? And I'm going to use 50 miles as an example, mainly because in a 100-mile training cycle, chances are you're probably going to do a 50-miler within there just because it's it's a totally different beast, right? So if you're doing a 50-miler, if you're training for a 50-mile, what does a training look like for that? And what you're going to find online a lot of times is that there's these things called back-to-back long runs or maybe even back-to-back-to-back. So it's like three days accumulated fatigue. You might be doing, you know, 90-minute long run on a Friday, two hours on a Saturday, two and a half hours on a Sunday. And so that isn't going to look like your traditional, okay, we're going to do a 40-mile long run. No, definitely not. I bet you would not be able to find a plan online where it says, Oh, 45 mile long run, you know, three weeks out from the 50 mile race. That's just not the philosophy of how they train because the risk for injury when you're going that far and when you're on your feet for that long is just way too high. So they have come up with a different philosophy, which is the whole accumulated fatigue philosophy. And that's why at the beginning of the podcast, when I referenced, hey, you know, it's not all about the long run. There are other runs you're doing during the week. Those runs matter. And that accumulation really matters. And so when you're going into that long run, at the end of a heavy week of training, your legs are fatigued. And I think that's what people forget is that your legs on race day are not going to hold the same fatigue as they do during your training cycle, right? So when you go out there and and your coach is saying, I want you to run for two and a half hours easy, and you start wondering, well, how on race day am I going to run even faster and for even further? Well, that's because on race day, you're going to be tapered. This is the event that you trained for, right? So instead of thinking, I need to go out and test my fitness every long run or somehow like go faster, longer, whatever, it's all about the accumulation effect. Um, So Jason, tell me a little bit about the long run and that whole, the 20 miler or that magical 10 miler and a half marathon training cycle. Um, Maybe what some of the misconceptions are and why you think athletes really get fixated on wanting to do a 20 miler before a marathon. Yeah, I think, I definitely think social media has something to do with it. Cause I think before, before that, you know, all we had to go off of was your own personal experience and maybe talking to people at races about their training. Um, and there was no like, you know, boasting online about the distances that you ran. And so I think there's, there's definitely like some, it's just a focal point that a lot of people want to set for themselves. They think that they need to achieve this in order to feel ready to accomplish the race distance. I think that's part of it. You know, the double digit thing is, is definitely something to do with it. The, the nice even round number of 20 miles is another reason. Um, 
But I can tell you there's been marathons I've been better prepared for when I capped my long runs at 18, 19, as opposed to going 20 or 21. And so um, I think it's all about the, you know, the, the other workouts that play into it, the accumulated fatigue, um, the amount of, you know, threshold runs, all of that. I think that's going to help uh, more so. But um, yeah, don't lose sight of kind of what your goal is. I would focus more on, on the workouts. Um, you know, originally when the 20 mile long run became a thing, this was back when the average marathon time was between three hours and, and then three hours and 30 minutes. That was about the average because um, not that many people ran marathons back in the day. And so um, now the average marathon finishing time is between about four, uh, right around four hours. And so, um, you know, if you think about the time on your feet, um, the person that runs a three-hour marathon to cover 20 miles in training, it's going to be about two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, 20 minutes. Um, for that four-hour marathoner, I mean, you're looking at closer to two hours and 40 minutes at least. And so, um, or two or three hours rather. And so I think that it's really, it, it's really, um, mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes back to not not comparing yourself, not doing what you think you need to do, um, just to meet, just to check that one box, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's just there over time we've just it's sort of been this like mental barrier that we want to overcome, and um, I think by shortening the long runs, you know, you can you can get a lot more out of um, the quality work that you're able to do. And then we have to think about the recovery that goes into that too. If if your legs are feeling good one or two days after a long run, that's a good thing. If you do this extremely long run and it takes four or five days to start to feel right again, uh, that's not good because you've done more damage and it's taken away from the training. Yeah, it's that last thing you said about how you really need to be able to recover from that long run to be able to do the workouts during the week because obviously a marathon training cycle isn't just the sum of your long run, it's it's the sum of, you know, your weekly mileage, the accumulative fatigue, the long runs, plus all of those weekday workouts. And the weekday workouts are really the thing that is going to be making you faster. So I think that's something really important to remember. And also if you're doing your long run too far or too fast, you're not getting the intended benefit. We really want to do the progressive or overload. It's super important to make sure we're not doing too much too quickly. Um, so kind of recapping some of the rules for the marathon, specifically the marathon long run, is that you really do not want to be going over three hours for your long run. Um, two and a half to three hours is the traditional cap. If we're talking about Jack Daniels, who created the VDOT calculator, who is a huge, um, you know, PhD exercise scientist who really developed a lot of the main, um, running principles that we all use today, he doesn't think people should go over two and a half hours. Um, and so there's a little bit of flexibility there where it's like, okay, what's an extra 30 minutes, but anything really over three hours, is like the risk for injury just skyrockets. Right. Um, but then you start to have all these like what ifs, right? So a lot of people don't like to hear that you shouldn't be going over 25 to 30% of your weekly mileage in one run, right? So basically the premise there is that you should not be doing so many miles in one run that's like 50% of your your week. So just to get to 20 miles, you shouldn't just only run like three miles, five miles, and then do a 20-mile long run on the weekend, right? You need to have um, balanced training. You need to be consistent during the week in order to kind of earn that long run. Your long run shouldn't be any more than one third of your entire mileage for the week. 
And people kind of get a little bit panicky there, right? They go, well, wait, I would have to be running like 60 miles a week in order to get a 20 mile long run. It's like, yes, you are correct. (laughs) And that's, that kind of freezes a lot of people. Like they're like, whoa, what? I'm never going to run 60 miles a week. My body can't handle running 60 miles a week. And it's like, well, if your body can't handle that, then your long run shouldn't be 20 miles sort of situation, right? It should be more of a back-to-back long run. We should figure out how we can increase your weekly mileage so that it can sustain. If you really want to be able to run 20 miles, we need to increase your weekly mileage so that your body can have the, the base to actually do that and not totally break. And it's not the fact that your body can't run 20 miles if you're not doing 60 miles a week. It's the fact that it might be too much for your body. Um, and we really want to be training in the correct sweet zone, right? We don't want to just keep pushing the envelope and pushing the line and towing over the edge. Um, and I think it's really easy for people to see the perspective where if they say, well, I can't run 60 miles a week. I think it's important to maybe assess, Hey, well, maybe you shouldn't be running that long for a long run. Right. So really starting where you are and seeing, um, how to train specifically for you. But there's there's kind of an exception caveat there. There are some people, you know, an Ironman, right? An Ironman triathlon, they have to run a marathon after swimming, like, what, two and a half miles, 2.2 miles, 2.4 miles. Then they have to bike a, how many miles? 112. 112-mile bike ride. Then they run a marathon after doing all of that. So a lot of what an Ironman's training entails is, um, cross training, right? And so cross training is just aerobic exercise that is not running. And so if you're spending seven hours on the bike, um, and in one hour, two hours swimming every single week, you just don't have a lot of time to dedicate to running mileage, right? So you might only be running, you know, 20, 25 miles a week, but, you know, if you still have to run a marathon, there are these different, there's ways that these rules can kind of have like what if scenarios. And it's important to remember that an Ironman triathlete is someone who's training like 10 hours, 11 hours a week. Um, and so their body might be able to withstand maybe doing a longer long run. But if you're just kind of like a beginner marathoner and you're going after that approach, you have to understand that unless you have a ton of cross training that you're doing during the week, you can't really like mimic Ironman training, right? So Ironman training has very specific um, reasons that it does that. And even for like master's athletes or the whole run fat, run, what is it? Run faster, run less, run faster approach is something that, um, master's athletes came up with it was basically this approach okay you're only running three days a week but when you do you're running hard every time and your long run is long and it's hard and the idea there is that you're doing a lot of cross training during the week so if you are someone that is doing upwards of like three to four hours of cross training during the week then sure you can probably um, do a little bit of a longer long run and squeak by here but generally speaking we like to to keep that cap so it's the greater of 33% of your weekly mileage or three hours, wherever um, the cap ends up on there. Um, so yeah, is there anything else that you have to talk about with these long runs? Um, anything that you notice like your athletes kind of ask about because this is such a loaded topic and I feel like we jumped around a lot and covered a lot, but any final words on this long run? Um, you know, just as, you know, as I've coached more and more runners over the years, especially for the marathon, half marathon distance in the online format, um, where I'm creating a, you know, 
a training plan on training peaks and I can map out the whole, you know, the whole training block ahead of time. I've kind of learned to deviate away from like mapping out the whole long run schedule early. And that used to be one of the first things I would do because I thought it was the most important thing to get these, you know, these kind of these checkpoints, these mile marker, um, stepping stones rather, um, you know, as we progress towards getting them ready for that marathon. And so, um, you know, cause what I've learned along the way is things happen during a training cycle and we're going to need to make adjustments and that could really affect, you know, me wanting to move long runs around or workouts around. And, and so what I'm kind of doing now is I'm obviously I'm building around the rest days. That's the most important thing. And then I'm putting their workouts in first, because I feel like those are going to be, like you said, the, the, we're training those systems and that's going to be what gets you faster. Um, and the long run is just kind of the extra supplement that we add into, um, you know, build the endurance. And so I don't want people to think like that is the focal point. That is a holy grail of marathon training. Yes, it is very important. Um, but sometimes we overlook, you know, those, what I would say, just those tempo style workouts. I think those are the kind of the key, the bread and butter. Um, and you don't have to get super fancy, uh, with the long run. You can be, um, you know, you can have a plan that maybe only goes super long once every three weeks. It doesn't need to be, um, long run over 90 minutes every single week. So, um, in a sense, I've kind of learned to like, for me, the, lo- the more long runs I do like that, I don't recover and it just, it kind of sets me back and then I have flare ups. And so then I have to take some minor time off during a training cycle. And then, you know, you end up on race day, not just feeling as confident as you could have, if you, um, you know, went about it differently. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're not saying this because, like, oh, we just like to steal the fun out of everyone. It's like I've literally experimented with athletes in the past. You know, when I first started coaching in, like, 2013, like, you know, people wanted to do 20-minute long runs. And I just thought, you know what, let's just let them do it. You know, like, let's just see what happens. And they just didn't have the the mileage to kind of back it up. And I used to, my coaching philosophy was like, oh, I'll just I'll just let people kind of do it if they complain enough, right? And that's totally not how I operate now. But back when I first started, um, I learned the hard way because these people were very adamant. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, and I was like, okay, like, I know you shouldn't, but I let them. And, um, what ended up as a result was just not good. Right. So the results just like, weren't there to show that, okay, this was worth it. It definitely was not. And what I found in my experience is doing less is actually better. Um, it's better to be slightly undertrained than it is to be overtrained on race day. And I think that most runners are a little neurotic and they have the tendency to want to do more. And that's why you get into running, right? Like normal, sane humans, <laughs> like looking at all of our neighbors over um, at our house right now, I'm just or looking at all of our neighbors, all of our houses in our neighborhood right now. I'm like, most people don't run, right? Like most people do not choose to get up at 8 a.m. or 6 a.m., 5 a.m., on a Saturday and go run 20 miles. Like that takes a special person who really likes to push themselves and to do crazy things, right? So you have to understand that coming from your perspective, it's a little skewed, right? So you probably want to do more than you should. And just understanding that about yourself as a runner is super important. And once you can kind of um, rid yourself of that mindset of, oh, I always have to be doing more. That's really when the transformation can occur because you are doing the correct amount for you. And it's always so specific to each athlete. So it's really hard to like do these podcasts. Cause I'm like, oh, it just varies in every situation and scenario. And I really just like to hear from each person individually, right? Like I like to see people's backgrounds. I like to be able to prescribe more specifically if I can have context around that. Cause this is so like principle based that 
I like to have an actual example and an actual person. And that's why it's really fun to coach. And so if you are ever interested in hearing what this whole topic or any of our podcast topics means in relation to you and your specific situation, we would love to talk to you, right? So I know some of these things are like really really hard to grasp sometimes. And sometimes it's really good to get that outside perspective and you just want to hear how this pertains to you. We actually do a free week trial, zero commitments. It's just so that you can explore the app, see what we're talking about on these podcasts and get to answer any sort of questions that you have related to your training. Um, and the reason we do this is just because there are a lot of questions, right? Um, everything is so specific to, to each individual and we want you to be able to get your questions answered. And we love talking to runners. We love getting to know um, each and every person and You'd be amazed that you're not the only person who asks some of the same questions that you may come to us with. And it's just, it's really validating to hear that um, there are answers to some of your questions and we'd love to get to know you. So if you ever want to try that out, you can fill out our form on our website, www.runforprs.co. Fill out the form there and we can get you set up right away. Thanks for tuning in.